The scripture this morning comes from Mark chapter 14. The verses are 22 through 26. Mark 14, 22 through 26. As they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave to them, saying, Take and eat it. This is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Truly I say to you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And they had sung a hymn, then they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we approach your throne as humbly as we know how, knowing full well that you're the creator of the universe. Father, you're so awesome, lovely, all-loving, all-kind. We stand before you as sinful people. Sometimes, Father, we do and say things that you're not pleased with. We repent of those things this morning. As we stand before you and think about all that you've done for us, we can't help but wonder how you could love us so much. We thank you, Father, for this church, this family. And as a family, Father, we suffer. We have people in our midst who are suffering right now. We ask you, Father, to look into the hearts of each person as I have by heads bowed. And as we think about our families, our friends, our loved ones, we need your help, Father. Lots of them are suffering, both physically, mentally, financially. And, Father, we ask for your help. Our country suffers so many things. Sometimes, Father, just as the eastern Kentucky and West Virginia people are suffering right now. I ask you, Father, in a special way to lift us up to be a help to them in whatever ways we can. We know that they're suffering. People have died. Families have lost loved ones. And yet we suffer with them. We ask you, Father, continue to watch over those in that area. It's so devastated. We don't understand why sometimes, Father, but we know that you're in the storm. And you can walk us through it. Father, we ask you to be with those that have mentioned earlier who are suffering in a special way. I want you to remember Jim Dale. Such a fine man. Father, he's suffering from COVID. Please give him the things he needs through his doctors, nurses, his wife, and his children. I ask you, Father, to be with those who have lost loved ones. I think of Chuck. 
this morning who's lost his sister. I pray for Chuck and his family as they go through this terrible time. Father, uh, you send Jesus Christ here to help us walk this life. I personally, Father, couldn't do it without him. And I know that everybody else feels the same way. Father, as I think about those that are watching, those that are on the program today that are looking into our service, I know a lot of them by heart. I know their faces, and I ask you, Father, to be with them. But I know they get lonely, and they suffer as well. Father, this great country is going through many things. But we know you're in the storm. We know you can help us through all this. And Father, I always want to say in my heart that this too will pass. Bless the efforts of our preaching this morning as we consider the communion. Where we listen and talk to you through prayer and take the Lord's Supper and remember that great sacrifice that he had for us. Be with all our children as they go back to school. Be with our teachers. And Father, as we think about all our members, we ask you to look down on each one and ask you, Father, to be with them. Watch over us as we continue this service. Be with Steve as he leads us. Help us sing with an understanding and a heart that is centered toward you. Continue to watch over us in our country over the next several months. And help us, Father. Help us. Thank you for our elders, our deacons our ministers. In a special way, Father, be with Bo Perez. His father's had a stroke. His country is suffering. And yet he wants to go back and try to help. I ask you to give him strength and courage. Forgive us of our sins, O Lord. And help us each day. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Ken. Our next song is number 742. 742, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Singers, I'd like to point out a couple of things on this. Colin, if you'll go to verse 3. When we get there, I want this, uh, we're going to do first one, two, three, and five. We get there, I want this one to be softly. And in the beginning, you see there's the uh, uh, commas there. See from his head. We'll quickly pause like, see from his head, his hands, his feet. And keep it out there. And then we get to the fifth verse. I'm going to raise one note, and it's forte. 
Very loud, triumphant. Thank you. Survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. My richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my Lord. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did as such love and sorrow Compose so rich a crown. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Beautiful, thank you. Those using a book may want to mark our invitation song this morning. It will be number 67, Bring Christ Your Broken Life, number 67. And now before Andy comes to speak to us, let's sing In Christ Alone. We'll sing all four verses. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is the light by strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What height of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. 
in Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine. Bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry till final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the death of Christ I'll stand. Good morning, church family. It's good to see you. Thank you for being here. Brothers and sisters, it's always good to be here to worship God with you. If you're visiting with us today, thank you. Thanks for taking the time out of your uh, schedule, out of your day, uh, out of your week to start your week off the absolute best way that you can, worshiping God. It is good for us to be here together today. Uh, today we're wrapping up a series that if we have been doing our uh, entire summer uh, entitled Who is this Lord we love? And uh, we've been walking through the book of Mark and thinking about Jesus and wanting to know more about him And as Charlie already mentioned, I believe in his prayer We're talking about uh, communion the Lord's Supper and wanting to understand uh, Why we partake of the Lord's Supper and what happens when we partake of the Lord's Supper? So I hope that you have your Bibles you go ahead and grab those and turn to 1st Corinthians chapter 11 1st Corinthians chapter 11 is where we'll be uh, we're going to be looking at uh, 1 Corinthians 11, then we'll jump to 1 Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 12. We'll be all over those, uh, those three chapters there, looking at and trying to consider what's going on when we partake of this bread representing Jesus' body and this fruit of the vine representing Jesus' blood. Again, 1 Corinthians 
Chapter 11 is where we'll start. If you don't have a Bible, there are some Bibles in the back of the pew in front of you. And 1 Corinthians chapter 11 starts on page 958. 958, you can find it there. Uh, Let's think about this morning, the communion. And I want to really focus on that word. We call it the Lord's Supper. We call it communion. There may even be other things that we call it from time to time. But I want us to think about the communion. That word, what does that word mean? Why is that word important? What does that word mean for us as a fellowship of believers of Jesus Christ? We'll start, uh, you can read in verses 23 through 25. That's where uh, Paul is recounting what he received from the Lord that on the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and took the cup and, and, uh, and re- really just talks about the same thing that was already read to us earlier in Mark chapter 12. So we won't take the time to read that, but I want you to, un- us to understand why do we partake of the Lord's Supper? What's the reason for it? And scripturally, we can look to these, at least these three points. First of all, we partake of it because Jesus commanded us to. Jesus commanded his followers to partake of the Lord's Supper. Uh, secondly, we do it because it was taught by the apostles, as we can tell here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We have this apostolic example or these commands that were given. And then it was also observed by the first century church. That means those people who were Christians before anybody else was Christians, what did they do in reference to the Lord's Supper? Well, they partook of it. And they partook of it on the first day of the week. And we want to do the same thing. So we have a commandment, we have an example, and we have exactly what we need to do in order to make sure we're doing what God wants us to do. And and I think most of us here today, maybe not all of us, but most of us here today realize that. We realize the importance of of taking it, and we realize the why, but I really want us to focus on, because again, here in just a few minutes, we're going to do it. We're going to partake of the bread, representing Jesus' body. We're going to partake of the cup, representing Jesus' blood. And I want us to understand or think about this morning, what's going on? Why are we doing that? And maybe you're visiting with us this morning and, and you are totally unfamiliar with the Lord's Supper. Maybe you're totally unfamiliar with, com- with communion. Uh, and if you, after this lesson, if you have more questions, uh, we want to talk to you about it. We want to look at Scripture and see what God says really about anything that we say this morning, anything that we do this morning. We, as a fellowship here at Jefferson Avenue, want to be people, people who follow God's Word. That's what we want to do. And we're doing our best, and we're not perfect at it, but we're trying to be faithful in it, meaning that every time that we mess up, we try to make sure that we do better the next time. So what happens? What happens in a few minutes here where when those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, when those of us who have uh, been baptized into Christ, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we're Christians, when we partake of the Lord's Supper here in just a few minutes, what is happening? Why are we doing it other than just the commandment? What, 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 should, what should be going on in our minds, in our hearts, and even between us? Well, first of all, we recognize, of course, from verses 24 and 25, as Paul quotes Jesus, we do this to remember Jesus. We remember Jesus. And, and specifically, probably, we remember his death. If you look at verse 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, Paul says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, until he comes. Well, that verse there is pretty packed with some pretty important information. We proclaim the Lord's death. Now, if we think about that, why do we proclaim the Lord's death? Wouldn't it be better, or if it was up to you, or maybe certainly if it was up to me, I would do something. If I was Jesus, I would have known when I set up the Lord's Supper that I'm going to be resurrected miraculously. And that's going to be the the victory that overcomes the world, that overcomes death and gives me the hope of eternal life. So I would would want to remember and, and emphasize the resurrection, not so much the death. But Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Paul says that when we do this, we proclaim the Lord's death. Why are we doing that? 
Well, it's interesting that we proclaim the Lord's death on what many in the first century would call the Lord's day, the day of his resurrection. So in essence, in some ways, we're doing both. We're remembering the Lord's death on the Lord's day, the day of his resurrection. That sounds an awful lot like the death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what is happening when you partake of the bread, when you partake of the fruit of the vine, the body and the blood of Christ? You are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're reminding yourself about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every time that we partake of the Lord's Supper, the communion, we are remembering the Lord's death on the Lord's day until he comes again when all of us who are his followers can be with him in heaven. But what else is happening? Is there anything else that's happening? Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And let's see what else is going on when we partake of the Lord's Supper, the communion. Look at verse 16, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16. He says there, Paul says, Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Now, it's important for us to note, even maybe we should have started with this, but uh, the Corinthian church is having some problems. They've had some division among themselves, and some of them, it seems to all boil down to their favorite speaker. Uh, some are of Paul, some of them are of Peter, some are of Apollos, and, and they like their style of teaching. They like the things that they say, the things that they emphasize, whatever it is. They, they have divided, listen to this, as crazy as it sounds, the church has divided over, well, I really like this teacher, or I really like that teacher. And you'll remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that Paul reminds them, hey, has Christ been divided? Did Paul die for your sins? No, we should all be unified in Christ. And here he says, when we commune, when we partake of the communion, we commune with Christ. The body, the, the bread that we take is a sharing in the body of Christ. The, the fruit of the vine, the blood that we partake of is a sharing in the blood of Christ. And this is something that I can really relate to. And this verse in particular, it would probably encapsulate what I generally focus on when I partake of communion. I think about the body of Christ. I think about the purity of Jesus' life. And then I look at my life. And I can tell there's a big difference. I look at the purity of the life that he lived. And I look at the life that I'm trying to live for him, but I fail to live for him. And I see a great need. And then I see the, the fruit of the vine. I, I think about the blood, and, and I'm thankful for the blood because we remember that the writer of Hebrews tells us without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So I, I look at my life, and I'm thankful for the fact that even though I'm not like Jesus, he died for me so that he could make me like him. He purifies me with his blood. It reminds me, but I, I commune with Christ. I'm sharing in the body and the blood of Christ. But that's not the only thing that happens when we partake of communion look at the next verse verse 17 it says since there is one bread we who are many are one body for we all partake of the one bread now we're going to emphasize here in a few minutes this idea of one body about the body of christ and i want you to maybe put that in the back of your mind and and, and think about that a little bit but you know the world the world emphasizes differences the world emphasizes differences in race in economics in social stature, in culture, and in community. The world emphasizes all kinds of differences, but when we partake of the bread representing the body of Christ, God emphasizes that we not only commune with Christ in communion, but we commune with one another. You see, and this is the, the thing that, that maybe I struggle with the most or, or fail to do the most, and I want, I want to, maybe this will probably be the emphasis of what I talk about this morning, 
is that when we partake of communion, it is not just an individual thing. It's not a thing done in solitude or solitary. It is a communal, a communion. We are communing together. When we commune, when we take of communion, we are communing with Christ, yes, but we're also communing with one another. We're thinking about one another. Again, the world will emphasize differences, but Jesus makes, and God emphasizes the fact that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and following. There's neither Jew nor Greek or any of those other differences. We're all one in Christ Jesus. So when I partake of communion, I should not just think about me. Did you hear me? When you partake of communion, you should not just think about you. You should not just think about your relationship with Jesus. You should think about your brothers and sisters in Christ, around the world and in this place. We are communing not only with Christ, but also with one another. This will play into an important thing that Paul says uh, to the Corinthians later on. Look also at verse 21, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 21. It says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. When we partake of communion, we commune with Christ. We commune with one another and we commune with God and not the world. It makes a clear distinction here that if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be someone, let me say this, if you're going to be someone who dares partake of the body and the blood of Jesus, then don't partake of the world. There's an expectation that God has here that if you will partake of and share in the body of Christ and you will share in the blood of Christ that was shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins, then you ought not, maybe even you better not, partake of the world. Now, I don't know about you, but that can be a little bit convicting for me because I want to be a Christian, but I struggle in the world. How about you? Sometimes we struggle with temptation and sin and and failure and doing things that God doesn't want us to do. But communion reminds us of the body of Christ, his purity. And I look at my own life and I find myself lacking. It reminds us of the blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of my sins. And I'm thankful for the fact that he was willing to die for me. I commune with Christ. I commune with you. And it reminds me, I commune with God. I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. We have no business living like, acting like, speaking like, thinking like the world because we are children of God. Turn over back. Let's go back to this idea of body because that's what I really want to emphasize this morning. The body of Christ. We share in the body of Christ. Let's read verses 16 and 17 again. Excuse me. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17. It's not the cup of blessing which we bless, a sharing in the blood of Christ. It's not the bread which we break, a sharing in the body of Christ. There's unity there with Christ. Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Again, there's one body. We recognize that. And then you go, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we know 1 Corinthians 12 is talking about uh, different miraculous abilities in some ways, but it's also talking about the body of Christ and how we all have different talents and abilities. We're different parts, but we're what? We're the same body, the body of Christ, the body of which Jesus is the head. Look at verses 27, 26 and 27, 1 Corinthians 12, 26 and 27, talking about this body of Christ that you and I are a part of. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Verse 27, you know this verse, most of us do, many of us do. Now you, Christian, you are Christ's body and individually members of it. You are Christ's body and individually members of it. And then we're going to circle back 
1 Corinthians chapter 11. Turn back there, and we'll start in verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26. So we commune with Christ, we commune with one another, and we commune with God and not the world. And we're thinking about this morning especially, we are partaking of, sharing in, and we are the body of Christ. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he come. Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Now let's stop there for a second because that's a serious statement. If you partake of this Lord's Supper that we'll be partaking of, every Christian will be partaking of here in just a few minutes. If you partake of it in an unworthy manner, you're guilty of the body and the blood of Christ Jesus. So we need to understand, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to partake of this fruit of the vine, this, this bread, in an unworthy manner? Well, again, that's where the context of 1 Corinthians helps us to understand and appreciate this. In 1 Corinthians 11, we won't take the time to read it, but I, maybe go back and read it if you're not familiar with it. Uh, the, the Corinthians, remember, they're already divided. And then when they come together to, to take of the Lord's Supper, they're not coming together for, for this, this purpose that we've just been talking about. They're not coming together to commune with Christ. They're not coming get together to commune with one another. They're not coming together to commune with God and not the world. They're coming to eat. They want some food. And they're not, they're not waiting on each other. They're not being considerate of each other. They're not thinking about each other. Uh, as a matter of fact, they, they, they come and they eat so much, they're not taking a little piece of bread and a, a little uh, vial of, of juice. They're drinking a lot. They're eating a lot. So much so that when other people get there maybe a little bit later, there's none left. There's nothing there. And Paul says to them, hey, eat at home. You know, if you're, if you're worried about eating, you have homes to eat in. That's where you need to, to be eating. This is not a, a meal that you're coming to partake of. This is a communion where you're coming to remember and proclaim the Lord's death and commune with Christ and to commune with one another. You're doing it wrong, he says. And that's why we have these instructions in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 about why and how and what we're supposed to be doing. Keep going on in verse 28. So how ought we to do it? If, there, if there's an unworthy manner, what's the right way? Verse 28. But a man must examine himself, and so doing he was to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks eats judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. And that's really what I want to focus on as we begin to close. Notice again that last verse. For he who eats and drinks eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not, ju- if he does not judge the body rightly. Now, let me tell you what I, I don't think this means. I don't think that you're going to partake of this communion in, in a way in, in a few minutes where you can lose your salvation if you're just not completely focused the way you need to. In 1 first, in John chapter 1, uh, verses 7 through 9, it talks about how Jesus' blood continually cleanses us from all of our sins. Or the Lord there is cleanses, uh, but it's in the present ongoing tense. Okay, that means that every time you sin, his, his forgiveness is there and available. It talks about walking in darkness versus walking in light. What, what's really important, and I hope that you understand this, but I know that it's been taught differently other places, other times, because I've been there and heard it. Okay, every time you sin, you don't just automatically lose your, your salvation. Do you have to uh, confess your sins to be forgiven of every sin you ever commit? I don't believe the Bible teaches us that. I believe what 1 John says when he's talking about 1 John chapter 1, I believe it's verse 10, where you, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins. We're, we're living with an expectation. We're living with an understanding that we're sinful people. Not trying to be sinful people, but we're people who need Jesus. 
We're people who fail. We're people who fall short. And I always need Jesus. I, I don't believe the Bible teaches that if I sin one time and for some reason or somehow I die before I have the opportunity to, to confess that sin and ask for forgiveness that I've lost my salvation. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. But I do believe the Bible teaches that we as Christians should live a life in such a way where we recognize the fact that we are always constantly in need of Jesus' forgiveness. And that we live in that state of life. So what does it mean? Again, when it says there, he who eats and drinks eats judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. In the Bible, for those of you who are familiar with it, and if you're not familiar with it, this is what I think and you can ask me about it later. Outside of maybe these three, three, these, these three um, chapters, and even within these three chapters, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, and 12, Every time you hear about the body of Christ, what do you think about? Every time you hear the the phrase, the body of Christ, what is it most often referring to? And what do you think about? The church. When we read the Bible, almost always it's referring to the church. So he says there, whoever does not eat and drink rightly because he does not judge the body rightly, rightly eats and drinks judgment to himself. It's communion. It's communal. When I partake of this bread here in just a few minutes, when I partake of this fruit of the vine representing Jesus' blood in just a few minutes, I can't just think about me. Sure, I need to think about myself and I need to examine myself and judge my body, judge my life. How have I done this week? Have I lived well for God this week? And am I convicted that I need to live better for God? And I can tell you what, every time I judge my body, every time I judge my life, I found that I need to live better for God. Maybe you have too. But what I really want you to think about, because I don't know that I ever have, honestly. And maybe you never have either. How do we judge the body in communion? How do I judge my relationship with you in communion? How do I think about the church at large in communion? At the very least, think about your brothers and sisters in Christ when you're partaking of the the body because the body is the church. Think about your brothers and sisters in Christ when you partake of the fruit of the vine because that same, same blood that was shed for you was shed for everyone. Think about one another, consider one another, and think about how we can help one another. You know, Jesus says that if you, have, if, you're, if you have something against your brother, if your brother has something against you, you go and you settle that before you come to worship. This is in Matthew, 4, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And that the picture there is that if you don't do that, then your relationship and your worship to God is inhibited in some way. Even to the point that maybe God isn't accepting of your worship. He doesn't want to hear from you because you haven't taken advantage of or, or taken the time to address things with his body, the body that you are a part of. In just a second, Scott's going to come forward and we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. Then I'm going to get back up and talk about just a few more things. But again, let me emphasize and encourage you right now as we're about to partake of the Lord's Supper. Yes, examine yourself. Absolutely. Think about that pure body of Jesus and how your body relates to that, how your life relates to that. Think about that blood of Christ and how he makes you clean and pure just like he was. But please, Somehow, think about one another. 
Because we're communing with Christ and we're communing with each other when we partake of the body and the blood of Christ.